Hello, this is Dean Hess, editor of Respiratory Care. Welcome to the August 2016 podcast. Our editor's choice paper addresses the resistance of colorometric carbon dioxide detectors commonly used in neonates. Brown et al. evaluated three such devices and found significant differences in resistance between devices. Clinical trials are needed to determine the clinical effects of this resistance. Mocopidae and Severi point out that, until such studies are available, it is prudent to avoid prolonged use of neonatal colorimetric devices without accounting for the high in vitro resistance. So Leonard and colleagues conducted an online survey of intratracheal antibiotic administration of anti-infective agents in mechanically ventilated adults. They found intratracheal administration of antibiotics is a common therapeutic modality in ICUs, but inadequate practices were widely encountered independent of clinician experience with the technique. Wood suggests that this survey provides additional insights into some of the gaps in knowledge that concern clinicians, and it also reinforces the need for high-quality data to inform the use of inhaled antibiotics. Perino et al. explored the mechanisms of orthopnea in stable obese subjects. They hypothesized that an increase in closing volume in supine position would be greater in subjects with orthopnea and that the relationship of change in closing volume to change in dyspnea with position would be dependent on expiratory flow limitation in the sitting position. They found that in stable obese subjects, the magnitude of orthopnea correlated with an increase in the slope of phase 3 of the single breath nitrogen washout test in subjects without expiratory flow limitation. Thus, expiratory flow limitation should be taken into account in obese patients. Davies proposes that clinicians may need to modify current practices in obese patients when the clinical goal is to improve resting lung volume in sedentary patients. To test whether regular but fewer hours of positive airway pressure use would demonstrate clinically meaningful improvements and correlate with outcomes, Krakow et al. retrospectively assessed compliant and sub-threshold compliant sleep apnea subjects. In their subjects, 85% with sleep apnea regularly used positive airway pressure, but adherence was only 63%. Regular users showed clinical treatment effects and potential dose-response relationships, suggesting the term use offers advantages over the term adherence. Subthreshold compliance may not merit insurance coverage in many countries, which is an issue affecting many patients with sleep apnea. In another sleep-related paper, Kogan and colleagues hypothesized that respiratory inductance plethysmography can improve the sensitivity and specificity of scoring hypopneas when compared to both American Academy of Sleep Medicine recommended and acceptable criteria. In this small retrospective pilot study, there was improved sensitivity and specificity when scoring hypopnea by respiratory inductance plethysmography, some channel. In a third sleep-related paper, Sunikachlu et al. investigated whether serum levels of asymmetric dimethylarginine and ischemia-modified albumin are altered in subjects with obstructive sleep apnea. 
ischemia-modified albumin and asymmetric dimethylarginine were significantly higher in subjects with OSA. Ischemia-modified albumin was independently associated with the severity of OSA defined by apnea-hypopnea index and severity of oxygen desaturation. The aim of the study by Dagetal was to assess the association between cognitive function and age, pulmonary function, comorbidity index, and the six-minute walk distance in subjects with COPD, as well as to compare many mental state examination and Montreal cognitive assessment and their ability to identify cognitive dysfunction in subjects with COPD. They found that the Montreal Cognitive Assessment might be a more reliable screening test than the mini mental state examination in detecting cognitive impairment in subjects with COPD. Sancho et al. assessed the effect of high-frequency oscillation on the cough peak flow generated by mechanical inexufflation in medically stable subjects with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. They found that the addition of high-frequency oscillation to mechanical inexufflation did not affect the cough peak flow in this patient population. Preoperative peak oxygen uptake in subjects with lung cancer receiving neoadjuvant chemotherapy was evaluated by Frechard and colleagues. Neoadjuvant chemotherapy was associated with lower preoperative peak oxygen consumption in subjects with non-small cell lung cancer. Lower aerobic fitness may result from neoadjuvant chemotherapy-induced reduction and pulmonary gas exchange, as well as heart or skeletal muscle toxicity. The aim of the study by Oweyed et al. was to describe the frequency and spectrum of sinopulmonary complications among subjects with primary immunodeficiency disorders. Sinopulmonary complications were common in subjects with primary immunodeficiency disorders. These complications can be serious and continue even after proper treatment is initiated. The objective of the study by Selepsi and colleagues was to investigate the effect of identifying airway obstruction via spirometry and explaining the results to subjects on short-term success rate of smoking cessation, advanced age, and the presence of obstruction on pulmonary function testing increased the success of smoking cessation. Figurito et al. analyzed the effects of a family-based pulmonary rehabilitation program on close family caregivers of older subjects with COPD. Their findings support inclusion of family caregivers in a comprehensive pulmonary rehabilitation program. Family-oriented pulmonary rehabilitation maximizes caregivers' adaptive coping and potentially prevents negative psychological outcomes. The purpose of the study by Diasum Keo and colleagues was to determine reference equations for impulse oscillometry in healthy children and adults. Reference equations were developed for males and females, and height was the most influential predictor value for impulse oscillometry parameters in the population studied. The aim of the study by Vanschelbaum et al. was to identify practical prognostic predictors of mortality using cardiopulmonary exercise testing in subjects with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. This study provides simple, 
practical and novel cut points for cardiopulmonary exercise testing as predictors of prognosis to identify high-risk subjects with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, impairment in exercise capacity, and abnormal ventilatory responses during cardiopulmonary exercise testing was associated with poorer survival. This month, we published the paper from the 2015 Egan Lecture entitled Physiologic Monitoring, Improving Safety or Increasing Risk by Durbin. We also published the paper from the 2015 Kittredge Lecture, E-Cigarettes, The Science Behind the Smoke and Mirrors by Cobb and Santi. To receive the contents of this and past issues of the journal, visit our website at www. .rcjournal.com. There you can also subscribe to receive podcasts of future issues.